What's barking, fit dogs, and welcome to another episode of the Fit Dog Culture Podcast. I'm Amy. I'm Ashley. And today we have a very special episode. We are talking to my friend Edith Coffey, and we get into the nitty-gritty details of Adopt versus Shop, and we cover a lot of stuff, so it's awesome. There is a little bit of technical issues with um, having someone long distance and then trying to get the podcast to work, but if you can get through that, it's an amazing episode. (laughs) Yes, stick with us and you'll get tons of value. Yes. So come on into the conversation. Hey, Edith, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Hi, Edith. This is Ashley. Oh, hi, Ashley. I'm Edith. Nice to meet you. Nice meeting you. I am super excited to let Amy kind of geek out about adopt versus shop. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your profession and how long have you been working in the pet industry? So I am a dog groomer. Um, I work for a little shop here in Austin, Texas. Um, Been grooming for about, let me count. Um, <laughs> it's been about 11 years now. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's crazy. So it's, it's been a while. <laughs> do you still love what you do? Oh, absolutely. It is a hundred percent my passion. And, and Edith is like an award-winning competitive winning groomer. She does. Awesome. How often do you do competitions? It seems like every couple months. Well, I was there for a while. Um, I actually haven't done one in about a year. Um, I have one coming up here in July. I'm going to do my English Cocker Spaniel Blue. Um, I've kind of slowed down on the competing and stuff. I'm doing more of the, like, confirmation dog shows with my um, Toy Poodle Puzzle. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's so cute. What's your dog name? Puzzle. Puzzle. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So how did you get started into dog grooming? Do you come from a family of dog groomers? Um, well, so my grandma was a dog groomer for a little while, but I mostly got started because when I was about 15, I um, kind of wanted to be a veterinarian. So I started like doing some research and I realized that not only is it very expensive, but it's a very long process <laughs> and that there's a lot of school involved and I, I just didn't. I already didn't really enjoy school very much, to be honest, and I just didn't want to do more. So I started kind of looking around for other, you know, animal-related careers and landed on dog grooming, and I got a job at PetSmart, and the rest is history. (laughs) Yep, I think we all kind of have that veterinarian dream for a little while. (laughs) Yes, I think that's where it starts. (laughs) Yeah. Uh... So today we wanted to talk about adopt versus shop. And Edith, I asked you specifically because you have a lot of expertise in this area and you're very up to date on all of that. And um, I guess we can just jump right in if you guys are ready. I am totally ready to jump into it. Sounds good. Okay. (laughs) One of the things I wanted to to talk about was um, kind of the, the... division between adopting people and people who buy from breeders and the sort of disapproval that you get from both sides but I'm more specifically adopters who believe you should only adopt dogs so this is like adopt don't shop yeah mindset only yeah okay and um I don't know 
I don't know if that's just, it's kind of cultural and it's been pushed a lot. What do you think? Why is that such a thing right now? So I think, in my opinion, it's because the whole, there's the whole um, idea that if you buy a dog from a breeder, you're taking away a home from a dog in the shelter and that dog might be put down because you bought this puppy from a breeder. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, I, f- I feel like that's where most of that comes from. Mm-hmm. And why is that not true necessarily? It's not true because that puppy that you bought from the reputable breeder, we're not talking backyard breeders here. We're talking good, reputable people who care and love for their dogs. Um, that dog will never see the shelter. It always has a home. It right. will never, it will never not have a place to go. Yeah. And so by keeping all these, all of these dogs out of the shelter, um, you're creating, you're creating more space for dogs that are unwanted for one thing because you know there isn't it's not full of these other other dogs does that make sense it's a little bit kind of hard to explain right and hard for me to explain um and also too i mean the the more reputable have and the fewer backyard breeds the fewer shelter dogs we will have because most of the dogs that are in the shelters they come from the backyard breeders and the puppy mills and you know just the people who don't know what they're doing and you know they had an oops litter or you know whatever that's where those dogs are coming from so you know the the less that we support all the backyard breeding and stuff the fewer dogs will be in shelters and um the better lives dogs these dogs will have. okay yeah and i would just add to that for people who don't know that you're very good reputable breeders have, um, what is it, a a 100% return policy. So if for whatever reason your puppy doesn't work out, health issues, whatever it is, that you can give the dog back to them, no matter what. Yes, it's actually usually um, in your contract that you sign when you buy that puppy that you will return the dog to them, you know, if if for any reason you cannot keep it. So let's back up a little bit here. When we... Go back to this adopt, don't shop mindset. What you were explaining is that the support of quality breeders would lower the rate of dogs that end up in the shelter? Okay. Yes. I think, like, I don't. how can you tell that these dogs won't end up in the shelter still? Because there are bad people. You know, <laughs> just kind of all around. So, yes, you have a contract, but if you sell that dog to your cousin and your cousin gives it away right. to his aunt and the aunt dies, at some point it could end up in the shelter, right? Yes, exactly. Um, and most, I mean, obviously every now and then, um, you know, bad things happen, as you said. But most of these dogs, um, the breeders microchip them. And they're so they're they have a way of um, identifying oh, okay. the dogs, That's and um, they can yeah they can contact the breeder, and um, the breeder, if again if it's a good reputable breeder, they'll they'll come get the dog. Yeah, the I'm so happy that you brought up the microchip because I know that's just kind of a a checkpoint. If you take a dog to a vet, if it gets into a shelter, and they can find out who's their original right. owner. Awesome. 
Okay, so <laughs> kind of moving on from there, you mentioned the backyard breeders versus quality breeders, and what uh, defines a backyard breeder and what defines a, a quality breeder? <laughs> oh my goodness, that's such a long list of people. Yeah, of give it to us. <laughs> All right, so to start with, a, a good breeder, they, they help test their dogs, like, no questions asked. They do all, all the health tests that are available for their breed. They do them on every single dog that's being bred. Um, and that, that should be like your number one thing when you're looking for a breeder. Do they do health tests? Because um, the rest of it kind of just yeah. follows that. Um, I, another thing I also look for is, um, is the breeder breeding to better the breed of that breed of dog. You know, are they doing performance sports with the dog? Are they um, doing confirmation? Are they getting titles on their dogs? Um, because these these things prove that the that their dogs are worthy of being bred and that they're improving the breed. Um, that they're not just doing it because you know they want money or any number of other reasons why people breed dogs. Um, so those are my two biggest things, health testing and are you breeding to improve the breed and are you proving that you're improving? Yeah. The breed? And um, some breeders, th- those are all really important. Yeah. Some breeders even take it like one step forward and do temperament tests with a trainer and try to place the puppies with, yes. with homes that they think would fit the temperaments, which is kind of cool. Absolutely. And that's actually another thing that you want to look for. Does your breeder tell you which puppy they're going to give you that, mm-hmm. because they should, you should give them a list of, you know, this is what I'm looking for in my dog. And they can tell you, okay, I have the perfect puppy for you, or I don't have the perfect puppy for you. You know, let's wait for another litter or, you know, so-and-so over here also has a litter that I think would be better for you. Is it you know, whatever. that precise? Um, Sorry to cut you off, but like, I can go in and say that I want a dog that loves fetch and has endurance for running and they should be able to tell me which dog would be the best fit for that so maybe probably not the endurance for running necessarily because that's more of a breed trait than a personality trait um but like the fetch thing yeah absolutely they could be able they would be able to tell you like how drivey that dog is and you know whether or not he's going to want to be you know, a couch potato or if he's going to play with toys or if he responds better to food or, you know, what they, they know that the temperaments and personalities of their puppies, because I mean, they spend eight weeks with them, you know, so right. countless hours, Sleep with them. you know, socializing, playing, you know, doing all the things that a good breeder does. So they, they know their puppies in and yeah. out. Yeah. Or like if they're a little bit more shy or insecure, what kind of family they'll fit with, mm-hmm. which ones will be better with kids, that kind of a thing. Absolutely. Do you, this is kind of a random question here, but if a dog doesn't fit, typically do breeders discard the dogs? Uh, What do you mean by fit? So I've heard rumors and I don't know if this is true. So you're the perfect person to ask. (laughs) But if, you know, a dog comes out of the litter and they don't find a home um, or they have some bad behaviors that breeders will put them down. So that did used to be a thing a long, long time ago. They would call their litters, um, but most people don't do that nowadays. I don't personally know of any breeders that do that. Um, 
now, unless the puppy has some kind of health issue or structural issue that's not compatible with a comfortable life, okay. you know, um, I don't know of anybody that does that anymore. That did used to be a thing, but it's, it's really not anymore. I mean, if they can't place a puppy, they, they typically just keep them until they can find the perfect home. I mean, that's part of being a good breeder. You might end up with, you know, mm-hmm. 10 dogs accidentally. <laughs> okay, that's good to know that that's kind of like an old school dying thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's an old school thing, for sure. Okay, so then I guess moving on from there, talking about how we know what a good shelter is and the shelters that are more for profit or anything else you would want to add about shelters and what people should know if they're going the adoption route. Ooh, we're <laughs> switching it. <laughs> yeah. So this, that's... <laughs> This is a little bit more of a tricky subject because a lot of people think, oh, all shelters are wonderful, right? And there are a lot that are. Eden, I'm totally a shelter I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, it's fine. (laughs) Um, But there are some that aren't reputable. I have, and it seems, I will say it does seem to be specifically and I don't mean to discriminate, but the doodle rescues um, that seem to be, we seem to be having an issue with. Um, I've heard of them actually breeding their doodles and adopting out oh, wow. puppies, but not saying that they're breeding them. They're just, you know, oh, we have puppies for adoption, you know, save the puppies. Oh, wow. That's really yucky. Yeah, it it is. It really is. Or they, you know, they go around and they gather up the litters of puppies from uh, backyard breeders' homes and, you know, rehome them. And that's not really what a shelter is for, in my opinion. You know, if somebody can find their litter of puppies' homes, they should be doing so. You know, they shouldn't. (laughs) The shelter should not be taking them. (laughs) Well, that's really interesting because Um, um, I also have a background in rescue. And sometimes you do end up having to take dogs from a backyard breeder. Sure. Absolutely. It can happen. I mean, especially if it's like an oops litter, you know, and they weren't prepared for a whole litter of puppies. I mean, sure. Whole litters of puppies definitely do end up in, in shelters, but shelters shouldn't be going around the area, just gathering up puppies so that they could sell them for, um, you know, 1500 or $2,000, which is another red flag for me. If they're asking uh, a really high yeah. adoption fee. Where are these shelters? I think I paid about 250 or $270 for my dog, right. you know, and I thought that that was kind of standard. Well, it, and it usually is. I mean, I, that's, that seems to be the average going. Covering the vaccinations, but, the time that they were there, food right. costs, those things. Exactly. And that, and that's reasonable. And, and, you know, the shelter, they have to stay running, you know, they have to make their money somehow. So I totally get that. But, but yeah, a lot of the, and again, it seems to be specifically the doodle rescues. Um, and I, I don't mean to pick on doodles, but. <laughs> Ooh, and but I have already said um, we need to do an entire episode on doodles. <laughs> Just doodle, and doodle, doodle yeah, breathing, is, breeding, everything. <laughs> yes. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. It's, it's grown to be quite an issue, but anyways, yeah, it does seem to be the doodle rescues that they, you know, they ask exorbitant amounts for these dogs. I mean, I'm sorry, but they didn't spend $2,000 on an eight. Oh, man. 
no, no way, you know? So, um, so that, that's another red flag for me, you know, maybe like a, a shelter or a rescue that has tons and tons of puppies and, and, or seems to always have mm-hmm. puppies. That's, you know, cause puppies typically right. go pretty yeah, fast right. in the rescue. So if the shelter has a whole, whole bunch all the time, it kind of starts to, it should make you wonder what's going on behind the scenes. And then also just, you know, the, the actual adoption fee itself. Does, does that tie into the issue of importing dogs at all? Are the, are the puppies that you see in shelters sometimes being imported? Cause I don't have statistics with me, but I was reading about like, a lot of the dogs that are ending up in shelters are being imported from either, you know, out of state, they do a lot of trains, that kind of thing, or out of country even, and contributing to the overpopulation that we do have, making it seem like we have way more of an issue than we do. Well, and see, and that, it's kind of a touchy subject, and, and this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion that I hold, but I don't think we're actually that overpopulated as far as pets go. I think that certain cities have more issues than others but I think as a general rule there aren't actually there isn't actually an overpopulation of dogs otherwise why would they be spending so much money on importing dogs from well a lot seem right now it seems to be a lot of dogs are coming from China right um it doesn't make sense wait 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 back up we are importing dogs from China into some of our shelters yes I'm I'm part of a call-out culture, Edith. So do you have any (laughs) rescues that you know of that are doing this? I don't know of any personally. Um, Certainly not here uh, where I am. Um, I would, to be honest, I would have to look that up. Um, But which shelters exactly are doing that? But yeah, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it a lot. Hundreds and hundreds of of dogs being imported from China, and I'll try to look that. Yeah, up any information you have, help you guys know which which shelters are doing that. Yeah, I, it it was kind of a newer thing for me to hear that too. So yeah, it's it's been a recent thing, okay, for sure. Um, in the last last couple of years, and even like I don't know if you guys heard about the ban on um greyhound rights. Yes, in Florida. that passed last that year, was wasn't it? Yes, and so that displaced a lot of greyhounds. I think the number ended up being about 10,000 greyhounds. But then, um, what was the story? Where did they come from? We ended up, somebody ended up importing a whole bunch of greyhounds. I think it was from China. I'm going to have to look it up again. But anyways, they imported a whole bunch of greyhounds from China around the same time. And it's like, wait, we have so many greyhounds already why are we importing more and the one of the biggest issues that i have with importing dogs from other places is the diseases that they bring um it's it's becoming a real problem they're bringing new strains of um distemper and brucellosis that our dogs have never been yeah that would be a real and i just um, looked this up because i do want to give our listeners some numbers here but about 7.6 million animals end up in our shelters nationwide every year and of that number it's 3.9 million are dogs um cats i'm sorry this isn't your podcast but about 3.4 million cats (laughs) so you know with that number we're talking about 7.6 in america 
So how drastic right. could those numbers be if we're also getting imports? Right. Well, do you can you does it say if those numbers include the no? I, you know what? That's a new one, and I got to do some research on that. So we'll have part two of yeah. this of this talk. Um, but if you think about that, that's a lot of animals. But there's a lot more people. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. If you think about it that way. Um, Yes. We haven't, okay, so at some point we're going to have to slow down, but we've talked about breeders, we've talked about shelters a bit. Let's kind of hit on puppy males and where they fit in this as well. Okay. So puppy males are typically seen in like the pet stores and malls and things, right? Are they anywhere else? Correct. Typically just the pet stores and the malls because, you know, they can't invite people out to their farm <laughs> uh, to, to buy a puppy that would, you know, they'd get busted, obviously. Um, I do know that I've heard of some puppy mills that they, they'll have, like, come some kind of, um, like, kind of like a storefront almost where they do have their buyers come in and they have, you know, the actual dogs way, way out in the back. But most of them work by they, – they ship their puppies to – you know, various pet stores around the country. Um, and that that's how they do that. Just for someone, if there's one person out there that doesn't know what a puppy mill is, it's basically a farmer of dogs that just has stacks and stacks of crates with mom dogs that are just getting bred to have, you know, multiple litters a year and not clean yes. and they're under socialized and no. their health is horrible. And they... Those are the ones, like you said, the purebred ones that end up in a shelter because they have the health issues or the temperament issues and all of that. That's unfortunately where I've met a lot of puppy mill dogs in the shelter. Mm -hmm. And I have a few clients that have dogs that came from puppy mills and their health is terrible. Um, A lot of times you see issues with their joints Mm -hmm. um, and socialization was zero. You know, so they yeah. are a lot yes. of work. Yeah. Um, and then I was wondering, yes. do you think some of the newspaper ads you see out there are also puppy mill dogs or no? You know, I don't know. I don't know the yeah. answer to that. Could could possibly be. Probably not as much. Like quite, quite possible. But because yeah. you want to meet the puppies unless they decide to meet you in town or something like that. It could right. happen. Exactly. Well, dropping into the culture part of this podcast, why do you think puppy mills have found this niche in our society to even exist? That's a really good question. Um, Let me think about that for a minute. I think that, well, for one thing, when people don't see the behind the scenes, when they don't see the conditions that mom's living in and, and dad and all the other dogs, they just don't think about it. All they see is the cute fluffy puppy in the cage and, oh, poor puppy's in a cage. Let me rescue it. Right. Yeah. And so I don't think they really stop to think about, you know, if I buy this puppy, yes, I'm saving that one little dog and maybe that's great, but I'm also supporting mm the breeding of more of these little dogs. Right. Um, and so it, it's kind of becomes a vicious cycle, you know? 
Yeah, that is hard. And it's, we got to be, you know, more aggressive about fighting it and, you know, finding these people. Yeah. And, and not, yes. um, just saving the one puppy, which is hard for anybody who has yeah. a heart for Absolutely. creatures and animals, you know, to not want to rescue one puppy. But I mean, but I think yeah. in our society in general, people are becoming more aware and intentional of where they put their money. Mm-hmm. You want to support goods that support your cause. Or at least I'm right. optimistic that that's the direction we're going in. <laughs> I think so. right. Yeah. Um, did you want to touch into let's see the kind of shelters that have the more publicity cases where they're trying to help save this dog that got hit by a car and needs all these surgeries and they need twenty thousand dollars to save them. Whereas they could be spending, well, this is my thought, you know, they could be spending that money to keep healthy dogs, a lot more healthy dogs longer and put the dog down because it would be an act of mercy for this poor dog. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And I totally agree with that. I, I think that, um, you know, there are some dogs that it just is kinder to go ahead and put them down, whether it be because, you know, they got hit by a car and they need all this surgery and, you know, their life's never going to be a normal, you know, happy life. Um, or they have like serious temperament issues, you know, dog aggression or human aggression or, you know, whatever. So to where they can't live a normal life, um, you know, it is kinder to just to put that dog down and then go ahead and use that money to uh, support other healthier dogs who have, you know, a good chance of getting a, a, a good home and living a happy life. Right. Um, um, and then yeah. do you think some of the shelters do that for publicity or to raise a lot of money? Or do you think they really, I guess it might just depend on the, the case, but on the rescue. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that it does depend. I mean, some of it is sure for publicity and attention and but also too I think people love being the savior you know they love saying yeah I I got in there and I brought this dog back from the brink of death and you know she's still alive and you know and that they want to be the hero essentially yeah you know I get that that's a good feeling love a sensational story that makes you feel like you're a part of this big thing yeah yeah it's kind of like if you find a rescue with a really terrible story, you're like, you know. You I got, donated to that. I helped with that. Yeah, <laughs> you have some brass rights there. Yeah. Although I don't think you could Absolutely. think about it in that way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I yeah. can tell you that you and Amy have kind of broken my heart a little bit because I feel so sheltered when it comes to (laughs) some of the things that have happened in in rescue. Um, I worked at a wonderful shelter in Decatur, Georgia, Paws Atlanta, and you just saw people who genuinely care for the dogs. We brought trainers in, we worked with behaviors, we took them to trails for socialization, Um, just a completely different approach to the dogs. And so, you know, hearing these stories about shelters kind of stretching the truth and um, looking for breeders to help their sales is so heartbreaking because there are so many rescues that genuinely care. Yeah, there are some really, really great ones out there for sure. 
yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I live, I live in Austin. It's like Rescue Central yeah. over here. I mean, there's some wonderful rescues that do amazing things for dogs. Um, and so, and it, and so it is sad that there are rescues out there that are in it for, you know, the money or the fame or whatever it is, whatever goal it is they have in mind. It, it is sad. But I mean, we can say the same thing about breeders. You know, I know lots of wonderful, wonderful breeders who do amazing things for um, whatever chosen breed that they're in. But then, you know, then there's others that that aren't so great and, and they ruin they kind of ruin it for the good breeders, right. you know? Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> well, well, and how do you feel <laughs> about designer dogs and the doodle craze and <laughs> all the doodle craze? <laughs> you groom a lot of them. <laughs> I, yes, I groom, I would say on an average, I groom at least two a day. Wow. Um, minimum. Oh, I'm curious. Yeah, Tell me like your top five breeds that you're typically grooming i'm sorry like the top five breeds that you're typically grooming right now i would say the various kinds of doodles um and i would say like maybe multi poos mm, okay. um me personally i groom a lot of soft-coated wheat and terriers but they're kind of rare that's just i've for some reason I am really good at grooming them. And so I, gr I feel like I groom all the Wheatons in Austin. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it feels that way someday, <laughs> but, um, I would say, yeah. And then just various, like, you know, Yorkies, Maltese, to uh, poodles. I, I groom quite a few poodles. Okay. Um, just, you know, little dogs like that, little fluffy things. <laughs> no, um, but the, I would say the designer breeds definitely take, the, take the top of the list for sure. Yeah. Okay. So you don't get a lot of German Shepherds, although they shit like the most. No. <laughs> well, for one thing, my shop has a weight limit, and most Shepherds are over over that weight oh, limit. <laughs> <laughs> so, but even when I didn't work for uh, a groomer or a shop that had a weight limit, I really didn't see a lot of Shepherds. Um, when I worked for PetSmart, I did. I think their bath prices are cheap. Excuse me, cheaper. So, anyways. Um, but yeah, as far as doodles go, I mean, here's the thing. I love all dogs, you know, I think all dogs deserve a wonderful life and, um, you know, a good groomer and all, all the wonderful things. But I think that we're doing a disservice to dogs by creating them. Um, mostly because there aren't any good breeders breeding doodles and, so we're seeing dogs with a lot of structural issues, um, as well as health and temperament issues. Um, a lot of doodles, I, they are very difficult to train. Let's just put it that way. Um, some, not all, but there have been quite a few that it just, that I don't really know what's going on <laughs> in their head, but they just, they are a little hard, a little harder to work with for sure. And it's not their fault, you know, and that's the frustrating thing about it is it's not their fault. You know, they're literally set up for failure, um, by, uh, you know, cause basically what am I trying to say here? They're the stock that they're being created from isn't the best quality. And so you can't, 
take something that's poor quality and create something that's good quality out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I don't know where um, I have one client and I don't know where she was bred, but she's a old English sheepdog poodle mix. Oh, yes. Her attention span is zero. She yes. has been the most difficult dog to train, but she is gorgeous. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're adorable. They're so cute, you know? Yeah. And that's what attracts people to them is they're so cute, you know? They're fluffy and floppy, and a lot of times they have really silly personalities that everybody loves, and those are all great things, but but then, like you said, you know, when it comes to training and then also health, I mean, we're seeing a lot of health issues, you know? hip and elbow dysplasia, random, odd immuno, uh, uh, immune system issues. Um, what else? I feel like every, everything. Yeah. Um, skin, skin issues, skin issues is another really big, really big deal. Um, what else, what else have I seen? Um, I want to say cancer, but cancer, I feel like cancer is kind of a thing for everybody right now. So that doesn't apply to just them. Um, besides them being cute and silly, why are they so popular? Cause it kind of started out with the whole non-allergy allergy thing with the no dandruff and then less. Right. And then hypoallergenic. Yes, exactly. And then did it just take off from there and become a culturally bad thing? (laughs) I think so. I mean, I I think everybody just, you know, they're cute. And now it's gotten to the point where um, a lot of these dogs, people are getting them as kind of a fashion accessory. They're not getting them because they love dogs, because they want a, a good pet. And they did research and they think that this this so-called breed will, you know, fit in with their, their lifestyle. No, they got it because their friends have, you know, this doodle and you know so they want to fit in with their friends and just kind of goes on from there and um the reason well I guess would you know the reasons why good breeders are not breeding doodles um is it because it's been ruined by other breeders or is it because they just think it's wrong or they just have no interest in it or why do you think no good breeders have stepped up to that well most good breeders won't mix breeds right um and that's kind of where it starts and ends <laughs> they okay. just don't yeah. they don't do that and there there's no because the thing about the doodles is that we're mixing breeds that there's no fathomable reason why we should be mixing these breeds and i think amy you and i kind of talked about this a little bit about how sometimes every now and then breeders will mix some breeds on purpose to like create a dog um, for a very specific purpose. Sure. Um, But typically those are breeds that kind of go together. Like you'll take, say, um, a a cattle dog and mix it with a border collie to create, you know, a better herding dog, right? But their structure is a little bit more similar and their their instincts are kind of more similar. And so, you know, it kind of goes together. But when you take... For example, say a, a golden doodle, a golden retriever poodle mix. Um, there's no similarities between those two breeds. I mean, yes, they are both technically retrievers, 
but structurally they're completely different. Their coat type's completely different and their temperament's completely different. Yeah. But you end up why with a really you... cute big poodle. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said, but you end up with a really cute big poodle. <laughs> I mean, what you end up with, you don't even know what you're going to end up with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> because you're, you're, taking, you're taking two completely different um, genetic samples and throwing them together, and you don't know what you're going to get out of it. It might end up looking more like a poodle, or huh. it might look more like a golden retriever, or it might be some odd combination of the two. You just... You honestly have no idea. And maybe that's the fun of it, is you just never know. <laughs> well, it's kind true, of right? You know, breeders. that's a good point. The quality breeders that we were talking about before, they know what type of dog that you're getting. Yes. So, you know, this mixing of dogs for cuteness, um, again, like the shelters, all of this is said. Why is this in dog culture? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Money. Money and money. money. I, I, that's all I can say. Yeah. yeah. So for people who have allergies or problems with shedding, there are plenty of purebred options for them, right? That could fit oh, their lifestyle, absolutely. whether it's a poodle or could you name some other breeds that are? Uh, yeah. So some of them, you know, aren't as well known. Um, the poodle is the biggest one that most people think of and a lot of people don't realize that poodles can wear any kind of haircut like they don't have to have the you know fancy fluffy you know pom-poms on the feet with a shaved face you know they don't have to have that yeah um you can you can do whatever you want I mean their hair it grows continuously all over their body so you can have whatever you want um so a lot of people don't realize that and that's why they don't want a poodle right um, but there's also um, the, uh, what's it called? The Spanish water dog. They look very doodly. Um, the, and I don't, I don't know if I'm going to say this right. I'm going to be totally honest. The um, Legato Roman Gold. Oh, yeah. I think that's how you say that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually really like them, especially when they're from a good breeder. They are, they're a nice size. They look doodly. They have pretty decent coats. Um, and they have good temperaments, you know, they're smart little dogs. They are retrievers, you know, yeah. so they have a lot of energy and stuff, but so do poodles. You yeah. Know? Um, and, and doodles for that matter. I know a lot of doodles who need a lot of exercise. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of breeds out there that look, have that shaggy, you know, cute look that everybody wants. Um, and, and you don't have to, you don't have to mixed breeds yeah well and I've heard the argument too that they wanted the poodle skin and fur but the golden temperament or whatever but you're saying that there are literally no good breeders pretty much no good breeders of doodles so you're not even getting a sound golden temperament mixed with the poodle you know you might be getting that shifty shady golden (laughs) mixed with the poodle (laughs) So absolutely. And let, I will tell you right now, you do not want that shifty kind of um, that weird golden temperament mixed with a, with an intelligent poodle. That's not to say the goldens aren't intelligent. They, they are, but poodles are really, really smart. And when you take that kind of neurotic, weird temperament and you mix it with intelligence, yeah. that poor dog, 
they the just man. cannot even yeah. they can't handle life <laughs> they just can't handle life yeah. <laughs> yeah. wow that's really enlightening I have so many clients that are goldens, doodles, and the mixes of the two, labradoodles, and all those things. And you bringing up these points is like, ah, oh, well, the, they kind of started out with a bad batch. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, they, exactly. We, they are literally set up for failure. And it's so sad. You know, they don't deserve that. Dogs are wonderful creatures. They really don't deserve that. But, you know, they, they just can't help it. Right. Uh, they're that's just how they're made. You know? Oh, and I would almost say, I would almost say they're give, dealt such a horrible hand and they actually do the best they can with it and probably better yes. than they even should be. You know what I mean? Like how are you functioning and yet you're trying to be sweet <laughs> for me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I will say that that has been my biggest draw to shelters is the mixed breeds because, you know, you're canceling out those recessive genes. So, you know, with like spaniels, you don't get the tumors um, that they're kind of known for. And, you know, what would you say about mixing for functionality over cuteness? Over cuteness. So, uh, sounds to me, are you kind of talking about like hybrid vigor? Hmm. Tell um, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what it sounds like to me. And so, the hybrid vigor is kind of a myth because, when, again, when you're mixing two dogs, you don't get to pick which genes get thrown together. Right. So, in theory, yes, you absolutely could have a dog with the best of both parents, you know, thrown together. Or you could get a puppy with the worst of both parents, you know, all the health problems, all the temperament issues, I mean, and, and everything in between. Right. So, hybrid vigor is kind of, a, it's kind of a myth. It doesn't really exist. It really comes down to the individual dog and what genes they got dealt. Um, I think I'm more so thinking, like, just the natural selection of breeding. Of breeding. Yeah. You know, I don't really. You know, because you end up with a dog that's like uh, uh, Leia's genetics are like 15% or 20% German Shepherd, 15% um, Australian Shepherd, 10% Sharpay, uh, 5%, I don't know, Hound, you know? Okay. Yeah. But all those combinations of things, um, of course, they influence her temperament, but she's pretty healthy. It's actually right. compared to some of my doodle dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Well, and at that point, you have to realize that, you know, there's a huge genetic diversity going on there. And diversity is absolutely important in, um, in dogs' health. Um, it's actually an issue that you run into with purebreds because, you know, there's only a certain number of um, uh, individuals in each breed. And, and that's it. Like, that's your, that's your gene pool. That's all you have to pick from. And when you start, you know, you eliminate members, you know, based on, oh, well, you know, you have this health issue and you have this structural issue and, you know, they eliminate the ones that don't want to breed. Right. And so then you're narrowing the pool even further. Mm -hmm. And, and so the process goes on and on. It's actually, it's a huge issue in several breeds. You know, they're becoming, they're all becoming too closely related and it's not it, and which is a whole nother topic, but. <laughs> which is why uh, they import a dog here and there from uh, yes. trees and things like that. Right. Hmm. 
exactly yes and it, it does help but again even some of those dogs over there are, are still related you know and it's just hard to get away from from some of these really popular bloodlines yeah but anyways so yes with the mixed breed you know you get some of that genetic diversity and it does help with with health you know absolutely um i would just say that you know if we're gonna do that we need to do it with purpose and yes i like that you know health testing the 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 individuals and not just throwing random breeds together you know let's make sure that these dogs you know are structurally similar and that their temperaments are going to complement each other and kind of go together because i know again with the doodles you know you're you're mixing temperaments that really just shouldn't go together sometimes they just it's terrible like um, a great example is a puggle i don't know if you guys have ever heard of a of that it's a pug yeah. beagle mix <laughs> a pug well, what a puggle it's a pug beagle mix oh wow is it yeah oh. and can you imagine can you imagine because this beagle wants to sniff things right it's a hound right. so it wants to use its nose and everything but it has the structure of a, of a pug right it can't oh you know? it's terrible Exactly. It's terrible. The respiratory issues are just the worst. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, I think if we're going to do that, I I don't personally have a problem with mixing. I think it just needs to be done with a purpose and and done carefully and and responsibly, you know? Yeah, that, I don't know if this makes sense at all, but like in the future, say we take care of the overpopulation. Like I could see that being a thing someday you're breeding mutts on purpose, but like <clears throat> specific dogs and temperament testing and all that kind of thing. You That's know? really right. If we can get, you know, responsible breeders on board for, <laughs> I mean, just the education in the pet industry is a little behind in some areas. So oh, sure. that would just be phenomenal to see us work together for the betterment of all breeds. Yeah. Well, this- absolutely. This is kind of a little rabbit trail, but um, I got to see a litter of northern Inuits this week. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so having them um, temperament tested by a, a local trainer here, and she is one of only four breeders in the country. Mm. So that was pretty kind of cool for me to see them and learn a little bit more about them. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. They're, I guess, not recognized by any specific breed club, but their own. Is that right, Edith? Wow. That is correct. I don't know a whole lot about them. I've, I've definitely heard of them. Uh, my understanding is they're a mix of several different breeds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're um, to look more, more like wolves than, yes. than anything. So. You got to show me a picture. Yeah. Yeah. We'll wow. have to look okay. at that. Yeah. They're pretty so I think they're right now they're like they're trying to get some consistency going sure. in the yeah. breed. They're basically trying to create a new breed. And you know, that's totally fine. You know, go for it. Just yeah. do it. Go about it the right way. I right. mean, if you think about it, all all purebreds are a mix. You know, yeah. they came from multiple different kinds of dogs. Yeah. Most of many of which don't exist anymore. They, you know, they're no longer uh, around. Yeah, I guess uh, that breed is in the the show, The Game of Thrones, which I haven't really seen, but so oh, that's, that's oh, yes. <laughs> it's popular for people now because that dog's in the show, you know. Oh dear! <laughs> <laughs> Look out! <Uh-oh. laughs> um, I guess something else I wanted to say was that um, 
even if we are buying through a, a reputable breeder or going through a reputable shelter, we all ultimately shop even if it's through a shelter, not just adopt, because we're all looking for the right dog that fits for our family and our needs. Um, <clears throat> we're looking for one that's cute to us. So it's even if you're going to a shelter to get the dog, we're still kind of browsing a little bit, you know? Absolutely. Um, and I guess just kind of taking off that guilt that goes along with either way, if you're adopting a puppy when you could adopt an adult dog, or if you're going through a breeder, you like, if you are trying to find the dog that fits best for your needs, that that's going to serve you in the long run, and you're going to have a good relationship with, um, you don't need to feel guilty about doing what's best for you and your family. When you, you know, you're going to take care of this dog, you know, you're not, your intentions aren't to <laughs> have shelter dogs put down because you're, you know, buying a dog from a reputable breeder. Um, right. Oh, giving people permission to give put that guilt aside when you're picking a dog for yourself, you know? Right. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. You have totally educated me because I've always said, if it's not in the shelter, I'm not getting it. Like, mm-hmm. I just, you know, that's kind of my background and what I knew. But, sure. you know, talking about the quality of breeders in Um, the progress with trying to figure out what works best in terms of the health of different breeds, that has definitely been an eye opener. Um, Yeah, of course. Is there anything else that we didn't touch up on or touch on yet, Edith, that you can think of? I think we hit all the topics. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to have to do a follow-up because this is I feel like there's, there's so much information. I mean, we could probably do five podcasts about this. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, let's do it. We, Amy and I were actually talking about doing a series on pit bulls. So if you're in, oh, okay. please come back. <laughs> oh, there's something else. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. The, that's a whole nother, that, that, that one's almost as complicated as the doodle situation. <laughs> That'll be a five-part series, too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, Edith, please let our listeners know where they can find you. Do you have a blog, website, Instagram? Where are you? I don't have any kind of um, blog or anything. Um, That's I, do, awesome. I, have a- <laughs> I feel like you actually own your time. <laughs> well, Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> she works a lot. Um, I do have a Facebook account. People are welcome to um, friend me there. I keep it, you know, pretty, pretty PG. So <laughs> um, you're welcome to find me there. Uh, my name is Edith Coffey. That's with the E-Y at the end, not an E-E. <laughs> um, and also, too, um, I, you know, I'm on Instagram, but I really don't use it. So that's not a good way to find me. Um, you can also see my, some of my work and stuff on my shops, um, Instagram and Facebook. It's Austin Pet Silas. Um, so you can, you can look those up on both Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. And I'll make sure to put that link in the description box so people know where to find you and send you questions. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Perfect. Thank you. We really appreciate your time, Edith. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. All right.